are a bondage, and they are. Vices are definitely bondages. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there's other things that are bondages in the life of a believer. Attitudes can be a bondage, uh, right? Um, just a censorious spirits can be a bondage. Uh, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness can be a bondage. Oh, it can be a cruel bondage. It really can be. But God is the one who delivers, and we're thankful for that. And here they are. Remember the children of Israel? They're out of the wilderness now. They are out of, I'm sorry, they're not out of the wilderness. They're just concerning. They're out of Egypt now. They're out of Egypt. They've come over the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. They're at the bottom of the base of Mount Sinai there. They're having some troubles down there already. And uh, they had so much trouble that they're, uh, that that uh, Aaron Aaron led them allowed them to be led off and back right directly into paganism. Isn't it amazing how, how quickly how quickly God can speak to your heart and you go, I'm in, and about three hours later you're back out again, right? I mean, tell you what, our our flesh is something else. And so here they are at the bottom, and they're in their back to their pagan idolatry. The, the, the nakedness, the music, the dancing. I mean, I, listen, that's been preached on, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, ad nauseum. I mean, it's just been preached and preached about. And there's way more application to this in our day and age than there was 30 years ago when I used to hear it. But um, here they are in this condition. And uh, Moses was angry. God was angry. And uh, they, uh, they uh, came to the place where God told them this. God told Moses, tell you what, I'm not going with them. I'll send an angel to take you into the promised land, but I won't go. He's pretty upset. Remember what Moses' response was? If you're not going, I'm not going. He said what it, Moses refused to go any further with God without his presence. And we were talking, we've been talking about the, the, the presence of God, God's presence. You know, many churches operate without the presence of God. I think that is one of the most frightening things to me as a church to operate without the Holy Spirit of God. Oh no, you're indwelt by the Spirit, but how many are really led by the Spirit? How many actually live a life, watch, on purpose, purposefully seeking and looking and endeavoring to make sure they're walking in obedience to the Spirit of God? Friend, that's a rare child of God anymore. And listen, we have gotten so used to church. We've gotten so used to the, to the order of church, right? I mean, I don't even know why I send you an order. We know what we're going to do, by and large, right? We're going to sing a song. We're going to embarrass somebody with birthday. And then we're going to teach. And then we're going to come back and sing some more songs. And finally take all your money, as much as we can get of your money. And then we'll sing another song to, you know, you know, uh, the, the, the depression after you buy, you know, the buyer's remorse. Well, we'll sing a happy song after offering so you forgot what you did. And, uh, no, this is what people think of us. I shouldn't even say this. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I get up here and scream and froth and yell at you and make you feel bad. And, and then you try to make yourself feel better. And we do it week in and week out, right? Yeah. And we can get used to that. Yeah. You can get so used to it. Watch, you can go days, weeks months without the Spirit of God pricking your heart to where you come to a place of humility and yielding and submission to Him. When is the last time? When is the last time God actually brought you to a place of submission and humility? Every day. Hmm. Praise the Lord. But you know there's a lot that it's been months. Can you remember the last time? Can you remember the last time the presence of God in conviction was so overwhelming you couldn't move? 
It's been a while, hasn't it? Hopefully not. <laughs> but I'm just saying, this is, this, is, this is what happens. So many churches operate without the Holy Spirit. Why do churches operate without the Holy Spirit? Because a church is a body of people. Right? We're, we're, we are appendages of a body. And the churches operate without the Spirit because people are operating without the Spirit of God. We're just going through life like machinery, just cranking along, just cranking along. We know what to do. We know what to say. We know when to smile. We, we know what verses to blurt out. We, we, know, we know exactly what we're supposed to do. Right? And it's so possible to do it without the presence of God. I love the heart of, of Moses here. He said, I'll stay right here if you don't come with me. Why? What did he, what did he understand? Well, he understood uh, that there's things that only the presence of God could afford you. There are things that we need in our life, that we desire in our life, that we yearn for in our life, that are only possible when we're walking rightly related to God, right? Fellowship-wise, right? obviously, relationally. Hopefully you're born again here this morning. If you're not, you need to be. And, uh, and uh, you, the, the presence of God is pointless right? without His indwelling, without, without uh, being born again to the Spirit of God. But I'm talking to those that are born again here today. Uh, right? we, we've got to have His presence. We've got to, we've got to live in a, daily life, in a daily basis of walking, walking with God. And... Uh, we need that, and it provides us some things, right? We've seen the last couple of weeks, uh, it provides rest. The presence of God is rest. That's why God said over in Jeremiah, Jeremiah asked for the old paths, we're in his good way, and walk therein, and therein, therein shall you find rest for your soul. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will, and emotions, right? It's who you are. What have I told you? Remember this? So how many times have I told you this? That, that you are not a body that has a soul. You are a soul that happens to have a body. And one day this body is going to go into the ground someday. And our soul is going to be eternally either with God or a separate from God. Either with God where he is. Jesus said that where I am there he may be also, John 14. Or it will be separate from God in hell where the flame is not quenched and the worm dieth not, the Bible says. Your soul is going to be somewhere eternally. And for those of us in Christ, when this body gets put aside, glory to God, can't wait for that day, right? This body was so bad when God redeemed us, He didn't redeem our flesh. He said, the flesh is so bad, it's ir irredeemable, I'm going to kill it. And then you're going to get a new one. Hallelujah. Can you imagine a flesh that doesn't sin? A flesh that has no desire to sin? A, a flesh, a, a physical body that has no ability to sin? Oh, hasten the day. Amen. Can't wait for that. And so, uh, so here we are in this life, though. We're looking, we're looking for rest. We need rest. Right? He's our rest. We're walking with Him. He, uh, he is our rest. He is our pattern for rest. Remember that? Six days shalt thou work and do thy labor. And the seventh thou shalt what? rest. He created the, the heavens and the earth. What? Six days? In six days he did everything necessary it was complete his rest. Watch, rest was speaking of completeness, not because God was just plumb tuckered out and tired. It was like, wow, that was rough. I need to take a nap. Sunday afternoon nap. No, no, no. God, God doesn't get tired, thankfully. And, uh, but what was the rest? It was a rest of completion. Can I tell you something? When we're born incomplete, 
We are born outside of Christ. We are born sinners by nature, sinners by choice. We are born separate from God, right? And there's no rest in that life. How many people are going through this life without Christ trying to find rest, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find joy, trying to find peace, trying to find all of these things that they know is missing from their life. And here they are banging their head up against the wall trying to find it. And we just tell them it's in Jesus Christ. No, I don't want that. (laughs) They don't want that. God is our pattern for rest. What does it mean? This rest is a rest of completeness, of finishedness. It is finished. There's nothing more that needs to be done. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what comes immediately? Boom, rest. You know what we stop looking for? Another way to heaven. We stop looking at other religions because we realize they don't have anything. They're all dead and in the grave. They haven't done a thing. They haven't accomplished anything, right? Uh, Jesus up, right up from the grave, he arose. Yeah, he, 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 uh, he, uh, he uh, it was victorious over death. He was victorious over the grave. He was victorious over sin. He came out of the grave alive, right? Yep, what did he do? Jesus, who is God, right, eternal, he left that body. That body died. He left it and Three days and three nights later, he figured it was time. He's going to enter right back into it. And out he came in a physical body again. And, uh, but he's our pattern for rest. It's finished. He's our pattern for rest. He is uh, the person of our rest. Yeah. Moses understood this. He said, I want your presence. What comes with presence? Well, rest comes with presence. He's our, he's our, he's our path uh, to rest is as as well. So without the presence of God, there's no rest. There's no rest. It's the it's the awfulest thing in the world to watch Christians unrestful. Right. How how do they lose rest? Well they've walked they, they have they have drifted away from God. They have drifted away from their source of rest. They have drifted away from rest himself. From the person of rest. They've drifted away and here they are running frantically across the world trying to find some way to have joy and satisfaction. Can I tell you the nice thing about having rest and be our rest being in God? We can have rest in any place and in any circumstance. In prison. Uh, remember, the, remember that murderer, the son of Sam? Uh, Berkowitz? What was his name? Sam Berkowitz. He was called the son of Sam. He was a mass murderer back in the 70s up in New York State and, and a serial killer and and uh, he eventually got caught. He went to prison. Uh, the state of New York doesn't have the death penalty, so they, he got life in prison. He's still there today. He's still alive, still there today. But while in prison, uh, Sam Berkowitz came to Christ. And every so many years, he comes up for parole. And he said this, every time parole comes up, I write the families of all of my victims. And I tell them, this is pretty much just, this is just, um, uh, this is just what has to happen every so often. It's just a part of the system. I have no intention of getting out of prison. I have no desire to get out of prison. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And don't worry, I'm not, I have no desire to get out. And he said this, I am more free in this prison in Christ than I could be outside of this prison outside of Christ. I tell you what a ministry he has in that place. And he has known the grace of God and, and the, the presence of God and the rest of God. You can have rest right in the middle of your wilderness. I love that. Remember over in Hosea, I just told somebody the other day <clears throat> who was is going through some really, really deep waters and I and I told them, well, if you want real encouragement, go read the book of Hosea. 
<laughs> they went, huh? And I said, seriously, because in the middle of it, what did God tell Israel? If you'd come back to me, if you'd return to me, like I said, you'll call me Ishai and not Balai. You will call me husband and not master. Uh, you will call, there will be a relationship back again. And he went on to say this, and I will give you what streams in the desert. I will give you life. I will give you nourishment. I will give you sustenance. I will give you refreshment. I will give you pleasure and joy in the middle of a barren wilderness. Oh, no. You, listen, uh, we create our wilderness, right? We create our deserts. We, we make the silliest decisions in life. We walk away from God. We destroy our life to where our life looks absolutely barren and fruitless. It's a mess. There's nothing growing. And God said, you know, if you'd come back to me in the middle of your wilderness, i would give you a stream. That's relationship. Rest. You can have rest anywhere. Whenever, whatever situation you're in, you can have rest. And without the presence of God, there is no rest. But let me go on and say this in our text. Without the presence of God, there's no grace. There's no grace. Look at chapter 33 of Exodus. Look at verses 13 through 15. That was all introduction. Now therefore, 33, 13, Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Grace. You know what grace does? The grace of God gives you strength. The grace of God. I know. I know. One of the there, there there are several definitions of the word grace in the Bible, and one of the definitions we understand is that that um, you know the unmerited favor of God that God uh, gave us what we did not deserve. And I could say this also: God gave us what we didn't deserve and what we didn't even ask for. His eyes were on you before your eyes were on Him, friend. He was pursuing you before you ever took note of him. Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. What was that? The grace of God before he ever created anything. Before you ever even asked for it. Before you knew it was there. He was pursuing you. It's the grace of God. And what it does, that grace gives strength. It gives strength. The favor of God. Listen to what Paul told uh, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, Paul, he's encouraging Timothy. He says this, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. How can you be strong in something unless, except it strengthens you? Right? Be strong in the grace. It's like, uh, it's like saying, be, be strong in the coffee that strengthens you. Right? Be strong in the coffee. Well, what does coffee do? It wakes you up. Yeah. Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. And verse 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me read verses 1 through 3. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the, thing, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we read these verses and here's what we, we miss. We miss the grace part. We see the, the be strong part, right? We see the endure, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We see those things that we have to do, right? And, uh, and we want to do that. I believe that. 
But God doesn't call us to be strong soldiers in ourselves. It's the gift of grace. Be strong in His grace. You know what that means? We need to live in His grace every day. We need to live in it. What does that mean? Dependence. Reliance. It's a heart attitude of uh, starting out every day. God, I cannot live this day without you. I mean, you can, right? But you can't live it in such a way that fosters the relationship that you want. His grace provides strength. Notice also, Moses said no rest. Right? Without God's presence, there's no rest. Without God's presence, there is no grace. Grace strengthens us. Also, grace is motivation. It's motivation. Right? Moses knew that it was God alone who was going to keep him going. Right? And he could even give him the desire to go when the desire could be God. Do you realize that the Bible says that it is God that causes us to will and to do of His good pleasure? God, it is God who gives us the desire Sometimes if you don't want to, you need to ask God to change your water. Give me the water back. (laughs) W-A-N-T-E-R if you don't understand hillbilly. Our Our motivation should come from the grace that was given to us at Calvary. Yeah. Listen to Romans 6. You know Romans chapter 6. Listen to 17 and 18. But God be thanked that ye were, past tense, I love that, the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I believe it was Charles Ryrie who would say, Christian liberty is the freedom to be a slave to righteousness. Christian liberty doesn't mean I get to go out and do what I want. Christian liberty doesn't mean like, oh, we're not under the law anymore, bless God. We can live like the heathen, yay. And we just, we'll just redefine what sin is, right? No, Christian liberty is the freedom to be a slave to righteousness. What a, what a thought that is. And God, the grace of God motivates us to serve. Maybe, you know, that's one thing I love about when we take some time and, and, that, and uh, the Lord's been directing me again this way soon to, to uh, have the Lord's Supper here. And I love that, uh, that, that opportunity of the Lord's Supper because it, it, it causes us to stop and to slow down and to focus, to focus on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, to focus on Calvary, to focus on the sacrifice, to focus on the blood, to focus on, on the heart of God where He said, Not my will, but thine be done. I love that. That's a grace of God and how it motivates us when you think of that, how it should motivate us to go on, right? It's a great motivation. Grace is a strength. Grace is a great motivation. Not only that, grace provides the enablement. This is another definition of grace. Grace is what? It's divine enablement. It's God giving you supernatural ability to do His will. You know when I really need the grace of God like this? When we go out door knocking. I don't know how often I say, God, I need, your, I need divine enablement right now. I need grace. I need, I, need, I need boldness, right? Boldness couched in love, right? Because sometimes you just want to... You know. yeah. Moses had no desire to see what he could do on his own. That is so opposite of us, right? 
I mean, just the very fact that we get up, get out of bed, uh, jump in your clothes and go to work without one moment with the Lord, what we are in, is, in essence saying is, I'm good today, thanks, I got it. I got it. Listen, I've, I've done it, right? I'm not just fussing at you, I've done it. Right? Probably Thursday I think I did that. <laughs> yeah. Moses said, there's no way. There's no way I'm not going forward without your presence. I'm not going forward without your divine enablement. John 15, verse 5, listen to this. Jesus said, I am the way, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Uh, For without me, what's it go on to say? Anybody know the rest of that? Ye can do nothing. Do you believe that? No. Well, get up and read your Bible in the morning. You said you believed it. I'm just throwing stuff out there for you. Pray. Seek the face of God. Right? Create a pattern that allows you to do that. I have a pattern. Uh, my phone has to stay on a nightstand. Can't come with me. Because what do you do? One minute, I'll, you'll, you'll be reading, you'll check a verse. Oh, that's a cool word. Da, 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 da. And uh, you know, hey, that all said... Which, I can't believe they said that. Oh, weird. He did what? I mean, (laughs) your day's done, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody want to agree with me in this? And we'll go to prayer? Okay. (laughs) Biden did what? Of course we... No, you got to create a pattern sometimes. Yeah. What has God called you to do? that is too great to accomplish without His enabling grace. What has God called you to do? You can't can't raise kids without His enabling grace. You can't keep from killing your child at the end of the day without His enabling grace. You know, grandchildren are God's gift for not killing your children. Do you know that? Yep, they are. Can't go to work without his grace. I mean, just fill it in. There's Jesus said, "Without me, ye can do." What was the word? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Paul experienced this, didn't he? Remember, three times he came to the Lord, and he said, "The, the, the thorn in the flesh." He said, "I want it gone." Three times, please, Lord. And finally, the last time, what did what did the Lord Jesus tell him? My grace is sufficient for thee. It's enough. My grace is enough. My enablement is enough. Uh, I am enough. And so what did Paul say? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love the conclusion that Paul drew. Right? If infirmity means the power of Christ, well, give me more infirmity infirmity, because I want want more Christ. He said over in Philippians 3.10, what did he say? That I might know him and the power of his resurrection, right? And and and, and his suffering and being made conformable unto his death, he went on to say. Right, he wanted to know Christ. He said, if this is how I know him, well, bring it on. I'm like, can I do it a different way, please? (laughs) Yeah. I'll leave you with a question, and I'm going to be done here a little bit because we're going to get into another place. Probably a good place to stop. But based on your reactions, based on your responses to the trials in your life, think about them this week. Any trials? Any any any, any uh, things you've dealt with this week, whether they're big or they're small, no matter how big? They're, yeah. 
Little, maybe it's just a little thing. Right? Got up to have coffee and the cream was gone. Oh, that ruins the day. That's when I'm like, I need the grace of God. Oh. We have literally, Sherry and I've got up in the morning and went, oh, there's, where's the coffee? <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Usually I make it, I start it at night, grind it and put it in the machine and it's all ready to go, you know. And uh, you get home when you live 25 miles outside of town and you get home, there's no coffee and you're not going in for more. It's like, I think I found something here we can drink. <laughs> Grace of God. I, no, no, think about this. In the last couple of weeks, the trials that God has allowed to come in your life. Has your heart said what Paul said? Most gladly would I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Right? Yeah. Or did you respond a different way? <laughs> no, God, God allows these things in our life, doesn't he? Why does he do these? I think you can go back. I think you go all the way back to the Garden of Adam and of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. When God cursed Eve, he cursed the serpent and he cursed Adam. And one of the curses that he gave Adam me is when he said that he has cursed the ground. He said, "I've cursed the ground for thy sake." Boy, what does that mean? He said, "Thorns and thistles are going to come up. You're going to you're going to you're going to labor by the sweat of your brow." And God said, I did it for your sake, Adam. Why? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. How quickly do you forget God? <clears throat> I'm telling you, God will bring the trials in your life to turn your focus back on Him. Yes, He will. Absolutely, He does. He allows these things to see whether we're going to be dependent upon Him or just continue and, 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 and just bulldoze down a path of self-reliance and and uh, in that way, I don't have time to get into the life of King Asa. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony that ended in a tragedy. Why? Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the Bible says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to, uh, toward you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good Work Whatever God has called you to do, He's enabled you with the grace to do it. And what is that grace? It's Him. How do you stay in touch with Him? His presence. How do you stay in touch with His presence? Right? Obedience. A heart, listen, a heart of obedience and yielding. Yield. Not surrender. Surrender is the last place we want to be. Surrender is when you're backed into a corner and you have no choice. Yielding is when you say out of your own heart, Yes. Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane yielded to the Father. He yielded. It wasn't surrender. Right. Yeah. Without His presence, there's no rest. Without His presence, there's no grace. Next week, we'll look at this. Without His presence, there are no provisions. There's no provision. And we'll look at this next week. Um, question, question. Uh, how close are you to the Lord this morning? Is His presence real? Is there a time in your Christian life when you remember, I'm telling you, it, it, it comes back to your memory. If somebody asks you the question, there's one event in your life that comes back when the presence of God was so real, it's like He was sitting on your lap. 
It was, you, how'd that happen? Well, the smoke started and the lights were flashing and the song was awesome and we were just worshiping. What, or wait, or was there some crossroad in your life of obedience and you chose God? And the Spirit of God was like, I'm right here. This is awesome. See, that's walking in the Spirit. What is walking? Just, just obey. Just obey. Yeah. It's not some weird thing out in the ether you're trying to find. It's not like some, some uh, mountain climb that you're trying to find some special flower under a certain rock to find some code that gets you to know what the Holy Spirit, you know. No, it's just obedience. We, it's just doing what He says. So watch this. When you're obeying, what are you doing? You're walking in the Spirit. When you're disobeying, you're not walking in the Spirit. It's really simple. It really is. Are you walking in the Spirit? Yeah. Is rest eluding you? Does the grace of God seem like it's a million miles away? It's because His presence is far. And there's somewhere where you've gotten off. And the good news is, you know what the good news is? Today, this morning, is the good news is I'm done. That's good. Got plenty of time. But the, the really, the really, really good news is that you can fix that and get right back into the presence of God again in the matter of just a few humble, repentant words of confession. It's that simple. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God is putting his finger on something specifically. That's what he does, right? Specifics. Right? Satan's generalities, Holy Spirit of God specifics. Maybe he's put his finger on something. Take care of that today, would you? Get back into the presence of God. Because listen, you can't live without it. You can't. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for that presence. And uh, Lord, it's so easy, we know, for us to get away from you. And just the little things, the little things. And Father, would you please, would you do that work today of the Holy Spirit? Do a searching work in our hearts and lives this morning. And if there's somewhere where we've kind of veered off the path. There's an air of obedience that we, we, we knew in the depths of our souls, we knew what you wanted us to do, and we just said no. Lord, would you help us right there to turn back and go back to our Bethel and take care of that, that we could walk in your presence again. We thank you for that work of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your, your consistent love to continue to just not let us go in this state, but to track us down and to, for us to continue to get this right. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be back in about 15 minutes. Hopefully you'll be back. <laughs>